Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I've been through it. I've had problems at work, problems in relationships, uh, you know, even problems as a parent. Sometimes you don't know where to turn to or who to talk to, particularly when you, you don't want to talk to someone who knows you, who might have a bias or might hold what you're going to say against you. You want to talk to someone who's experienced and licensed and at the same time distant and removed from you. BetterHelp is here to help. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. I know many of our listeners are listening to us from other countries, whether it's Canada, Australia, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Asia, or somewhere in Africa. Look, you guys can access this as well. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. 
you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website. Read the testimonials. They're posted daily. For instance, this one from user NU after counseling with Denise Wall Marlin for two years on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, and self-esteem. Quote, I have found Denise to be an excellent counselor. She has broad experience in all techniques to get rid of anxiety and ruminating thoughts and always puts things in perspective for me. I recommend her 100%. Hell, I hear that one. I, I want to sign up with Denise because I know ruminating thoughts and anxiety is something that I deal with all the time. So here's what you can do. I'll do it too. Visit betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's a special offer going right now for our listeners here on Bomb. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. That's betterhelp.com slash B-O-M. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, and I'm joined always by my co-host, Jay Skills, a.k.a. Jason Madison. What's going on, brother? What up, bro? Had to throw the skills in there for people yeah, that I, forgot. I feel you. I feel it. And today we're joined by a special guest, Josiah Johnson. What's going on? What's going on, brothers? Appreciate y'all for having me on this beautiful show. Let's get it. Thank you, sir. Josiah Johnson is a producer, writer, and social media maven. He's King Josiah 54 on Twitter and Instagram. Josiah, this is the one of the two. You ready, bro? Let's do it. Lakers or Clippers? Uh, Lakers. Lakers when LeBron's on there. Mahomes or Lamar? Oh, Mahomes. Easy. Atlanta or Miami? Ooh, I'm going to say Miami just because of the tropical. Xbox or PlayStation? I'm going to go with PlayStation, but I'm old school. Academics or DJ Vlad? Oh, um, Vlad, but just because he, he, he's based in L.A., so I've always had to. But he might be the ops now, so it's tough. But I'm going to stay with Vlad. A hood taco or a hood burger? Oh, hood taco. Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp? Shannon Sharp. Dorsey or Crenshaw? Crenshaw, easy. <laughs> Dorky! <laughs> Justin LeBoy or Drewski? Drewski. A GIF or a TwitVid? Ooh, video. Video's always better. Paul George or Kawhi? Kawhi. Soap or body wash? Ooh, body wash. KD or Kyrie? Ooh, Kevin. The Hood Healer or Eric Thomas? Ooh, Eric Thomas. Super bad or dumb and dumber? Damn, dumb and dumber. Damn, but you know, it's hard. It's a close one. That's a close one. <laughs> Life or Harlem Nights? 
Damn. Oh, I'm gonna go with life, but I don't know. It's hard. It was just different. I was too young for Harlem Nights to really, really appreciate it. But life came out at the perfect time. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Ooh, Step Brothers. Tripping or Three Strikes? Ooh, Tripping. Damn. Baby Boy or What's Love's Got to Do With It? Baby Boy. Getting in a fight with your girl or getting in a fight with your mom? Ooh. I'll say mom because it'll be it won't be as bad. Or no, I'll say girl because it won't be as bad of a mom. Damn, I'm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll go girl. Christmas as a kid or Christmas as an adult? An adult because I got kids, so I get to see them really appreciate it. Smoking or drinking? Smoking. 90s or 2000s? Ooh, ooh, I'm going to say 2000s. I was an adult finally. <laughs> Eggnog or hot chocolate? Hot chocolate. A real tree or a fake tree? Uh, fake. Mariah Carey Christmas or Donny Hathaway this Christmas? Uh, Mariah. Pulp Fiction or Forrest Gump? <sighs> oh, Forrest Gump. Elf or Home Alone? Home Alone. Santa or Rudolph? Santa. Money as a gift or a real gift? Money, always. Malcolm and Eddie or Homeboys in Outer Space? <laughs> oh, Homeboys in Outer Space, but because I, I like weird shit. That's it. That's the only reason. Wave grease or hair gel? Hair gel all day. 2X tall white tee or basketball shorts under your jeans? 2X tall white tee. Black Planet or MySpace? Ooh, Black Planet. AIM or BBM? Ooh, AIM. Superhead or Tiana Trump? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go to OG. <laughs> super super. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, too short or E forty. Ooh, uh, 40. Puffy or Dr. Dre? Dre. Ashanti or Keisha Cole? Ooh, Ashanti. Hood politics or American politics? Hood politics. Rich and famous or middle class and unknown? Rich and famous. Pac or Biggie? Pac. Jordan or LeBron? LeBron all day. Steak or chicken? Ooh, steak. Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle? Oh, uh, I gotta go with Eddie, but it's, it's 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 close. Twitter or IG? Twitter. And the last one, writing or podcasting? Podcasting. So that's the one of the two. Hey man, that one question, bro. <laughs> I'm glad I was on mute. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I yelled. Yeah. Um, that's that's a that's a that's a real one question right there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're both actors, both uh, really you know talented. What they do, legends, legends in the game, legends. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, one went to jail, and one and one was the original throat baby. <laughs> Bad. 
Um, so Joe, man, you got tons of hobbies here. Um, tell us about you growing up watching TV. Man, so you know, I, you know, my my pops played in the NBA, played with the the Bucks and the Clippers. So he had he had bread. Obviously, he was a uh, he was doing a lot better than most at those times, 80s and 90s. So he basically, uh, you know, he had cheese, but he was a big entertainment buff, theater arts major at college at UCLA. So we had this basic satellite at the crib where we could get East Coast. This is like, you know, mid 80s, early 90s, you know, back before, you know, the, good, the, the revolution was streaming and everything. So we had this satellite where literally we could get pretty much any channel you could think of. We basically had a league pass. We were getting... Cosby show and all, you know, different world and all these shows three hours in advance because we're getting the East Coast feed. So we were just, we were so ahead of the game technologically. You also had like an extensive beta collection, VHS collection. So I just used to honestly watch so much television as a kid, but just really watching it and, and trying to learn and, and, and understanding good stuff, bad stuff, anything you could think of. So it just literally got hooked and kind of realized like being in LA, being in the entertainment industry, that was something I wanted to do with my life going down the road. But we would watch so much stuff. Like he was a big TV buff too, where I really appreciate it because that actually I got to put it to use. It wasn't, you know, a lot of times growing up, they're like, oh, you watch too much TV. Kind of like back in the day when they'd be like, are oh, you playing video games too much? But, you know, as we've seen, like both of those are, are big business and big industry. So I'm glad I got to be young and doing that and how that really helped me elevate me and, and get me to the position I am today. So growing up in the 80s and 90s, what did you watch more? The cartoons or actually like the primetime television? So I was, it's funny, man, I was, I was super advanced for my age. So obviously all the cartoons, the Mighty Mouse, and the, uh, I remember it was like a midweek, it'd be like that show Cops that came on with, uh, you know, like Cops and like Darkwing Duck and just, you know, Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger. I want to say like KCAL 9 for all the, the Los Angelinos had that good run from like three to five in the afternoon to just like high level cartoons. So a lot of that type of stuff, but also, you know, a lot of like, I would watch, Empty Nest, Wings, like, you know, all the random NBC shows, Cheers, I was a big fan of growing up. Of course, all, you know, Cosby Show and, and Living Color, Different World, all that type of stuff, Martin. So just having all that kind of content, it was like a great point in my life where I was, you know, on the press was becoming like this teenager, pubescent, but got to see a lot of stuff. But I would, you know, I would stay up, watch Saturday Night Live. And this was back in the day when it actually used to hit. But as like a seven, eight, nine year old, I'd be up till two, three in the morning. It, it get to those like demon dark hours on TV where it's just like random stuff. And then even when I was asleep, my mom would come in and she, she used to joke now, but she come in and put it on like the Christian channel, it, you know, so I used to sleep with the TV on. She come put it on the Christian channel. Honestly, like for a good portion of my young life, I wake up at like four in the morning and that would be on like, wait, what, what, you know, I feel like, damn, this is like some scary ominous that's, shit. But. That's Pastor Kearney, man. And God. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you sleep and you, but you wake up like, wait, how did you get on uh, the Christian? I didn't, this is not even a channel I deal with on a regular basis. This was like them off kilter ones when you would scroll past channel 13 and start hitting that weird stuff, you know, the novellas and everything like that. But yeah, man, so just, you know, thankful and blessed. And obviously like growing up in an entertainment based family, like that was kind of just our shit. There was always like those shows too, that you would know. Like it was time to turn the TV off when it, when that yeah. show came on. Like Dragnet, I'll be watching Nick at night. And whenever Dragnet came on, I was like, "All right, it's time to go to bed." <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't have Nick at night, but I knew if I woke up and Mash was on, I was up too early. And if Home Shopping Network was on, I knew I was up too early. Yeah, because it's like a, that prime time between two and four. It's just like, okay, I know Mash probably was dope. And I just really didn't really fire it up, but I just wasn't going to try to do it anyway. Cause like the latest I could stay up was 
11 p.m. My auntie, I mean, my grandma, my great grandma, rest in peace, would let me watch Jerry Springer. We would stay up just to watch Jerry Springer because that was just oh, like, went, uh, that was fire, bro. Like that was a good prime. That was probably the most time we would watch Jerry Springer and Cheaters. Like those are two shows that like me and my grandma would be just dying laughing. And she yeah. made me watch Laker games because she loved Magic Johnson at the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, my pops played for the Clippers, so I spent most of my life as a Clippers fan. But you knew, you know, Lakers on K-Count 9. Like, it was just, you had to have respect for, you know, the, the city squad, man. But we had so much just good, like that that Gill- Gilligan's Island, small wonder. Like, I used to be on just the most random, absurd shit that, you know, I'm glad. Like, small wonder was so fire. I was actually going to ask you this or that was small wonder, but I was like, maybe the audience not going to know what that show is. But, yeah, with Vicky the little robot mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that was the other joint with uh yeah. Evie that she could do she could do the shit with her fingers and make it uh make everything freeze. Like I think kids yeah. are really Charles in charge, even though Scott Bale's a bitch now, but Charles in charge was, was, was my shit too. Yeah, and then like when Snick came out, like I didn't realize how much they were parroting like the um the older like TV model, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It happened like four shows and like Are You Afraid of the Dark and Clarissa Explains It All and then all that being like a kid version of SNL, like, you know, I remember when I was a kid because I wanted to be an actor or whatever when I was a kid. So I, um, I wrote Nickelodeon because I, once I figured that out, I was like, Ooh, they need to have a kid version of Jay Leno. I'm like, they need to have a kid talk show at night. I was like, I need something to watch at night. And I was, I wrote him a letter like, y'all should do this. I'm sure they probably stole your shit and made a show out of it. And, right. it didn't break they no they definitely, they definitely flipped it, and he he wasn't even aware. You know what I'm saying? Not at all. Um, so you mentioned your dad. Um, how was it your dad being in, uh, especially a hood classic like White Man Can't Jump? This is the thing. Like, so he, like I said, he was a theater arts major in college, so he was always interested in acting and doing stuff, and did a bunch of stuff, you know, throughout throughout his professional career. But once he he retired, it was like, oh, it was just open. So I remember that was like. I think they started filming that probably like 91. So maybe like early 91 or 90s, he got a the scripts. So I was reading lines with them. So I was I was reading like Wesley Snipes character, you know, reading all the other lines as he was practicing and going for auditions and stuff. And it's funny when while they were shooting, uh, he literally looked the way his character Raymond does. Obviously, like, you know, uncamp beard, all that type of shit. Crazy, crazy. He looked like that for like a good four or five months. So he was just always kind of in character around the house like with the look and it was hard to look at it was like my pops just because like damn what's going on bro he looks so so hurt and so you know like so trash and low as an individual just because he was in that character but uh going on set seeing wesley and woody but even like the behind the scenes stuff like they had to do like a training camp before they started shooting with like wesley woody all all the major major guys that were gonna be in a movie like you know playing basketball and workouts you know three on three and weeds i remember they were at like uh Beverly Hills Y, I believe, or some other spots, like just going to that and seeing like these dudes hoop and kind of seeing them off camera and stuff. So for him, like I remember being in the theater when it uh, like the first time, like this premiere or whatever it was, and that scene came on and just how everybody in the theater just went crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, when you get there's those rare moments where it's just like uncontrollable laughter, like you just see some shit and you've never seen it before. And it's funny, I think he had kind of ad-libbed when he goes in and robs a store. Hey, give me your money. Raymond, that you? No, 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 this ain't Raymond. Nah, take off that goddamn mask and put down that gun. Shh. He was like, no, nah, no, nah, this ain't Raymond. That's basically him trying to do like his Mike Tyson voice. So he uh, he had ad-libbed that scene and then they ended up using that version of it. 
and just to see how that and that is funny. Like he, you know, five time All Star, College Player of the Year, all this great shit, all these accolades on the NBA side. But everybody from our generation just knows him as the dude who robbed the liquor store and white man can't jump. Like they don't know. They're like, oh, you, you hooped too? Oh wow, you know what I mean? So it's a it's a funny deal. But like that blue chips, he did a bunch of shit where it was just like, oh, these are these are like hood like hoop classics. So for him to be a part of those, man, it's, it's super wild. Yeah, it's crazy how like much that scene stands out in just the history of cinema. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You wouldn't even think about it, like you know, at the time. But there's not a lot of great basketball movies. I mean, there are a few, but like you know, there's obviously White Man Can't Jump, He Got Game, Hoosiers, you know, whatever, a couple others. And then like even you look at Blue Chips. I remember when that movie came out, and I expected it to be a lot bigger because it was like. Shaq and Penny and you know what I'm saying it was yeah. like like why isn't this movie more popular I still couldn't figure out like why that movie never got the love that I it's, feel like it should have got it was good I mean honestly from 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 a basketball standpoint like the basketball scenes were fucking well done like it felt like you know as, as hoopers I think when we watch stuff sometimes it's like damn this looks like ugh, like who, who's in charge of the basketball and this shit it don't look realistic at all like where that movie was and I, and I go back and look and it's like I don't even think it made its budget back which is like absurd just thinking about to your point they got Shaq who at that point was the most popular hooper on the <laughs> planet right you know what I mean just like everybody knew Shaq Penny and even uh you know uh Ricky Rowe who what's the dude Matt Nover I forget what his name is but like these dudes were like you know in theory, like, should have been enough to help elevate it, just kind of where they were from and the different demos that we're going to be able to, to target. But, yeah, that, that thing kind of flopped, man. I, I feel like, you know, of all the show, there needs to be, like, a Blue Chips reboot at some point. For sure. And, yeah. and what they were talking about. Yeah. Go ahead, Trey. I don't know if they want to expose that, but, yeah, man, I think it was pretty G that that, that movie rolled out like that because it was kind of like a dirty little secret anyway. Um, so being around that, helping your dad with his lines and, and being around that, did that inspire you to start writing scripts? Yeah, for sure, man. I was, uh, it's funny. So like, you know, he had money. So I was blessed to, to, to go to like, you know, some, some, some top notch private schools in LA for the creative arts, like Crossroads for junior high where I'm classmates with like Damon Wayans Jr. You know, I'm, you know, a bunch of people that are now on and getting it in the industry, you know, it's kind of like a feeder into the, the future of entertainment. Then even when I was a young kid, I went to school UES on a UCLA's campus elementary school and uh, was, was, you know, classmates with Jason Schwartzman, who's a big time actor now. But we would do like these film film school classes in the summertime. And he was writing scripts and making movies. So I remember like nine, 10 years old, I would go home on the, the little legal pad and basically like format out scripts and stuff and just always been super passionate, and interested about it, just being able to tell stories and create things that, that you know, didn't exist previously. What was what was the favorite like scripts that you read um, growing up or movies that you were like, oh, this script is dope. Like, I love this. Um, so I definitely read both the, the White Man Can't Jump and the Blue Chips. I'm trying to think because he would audition for so much other, you know, random stuff, stuff that he wouldn't even give. But he was like in like National Lampoon movies and all types of just random shit. I'm trying to. Because um... I remember when I when I was younger, like I. I, Cause I started writing, you know what I'm saying? When I was get, trying to get into acting and stuff yeah. when I was younger too. And um, my parents wouldn't let me watch Pulp Fiction. I remember like I everybody was talking about that movie. I think it was like seven or eight or something when it came out and they were like, nah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so they, but they did let me buy the script. You was that I, young when that yeah, came out? It was 94, bro. I'm born in 87. Yeah. Um, Damn. So, but they did let me buy the script 
it was in borders. It was like a, in book form. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I bought the script for that, and I bought Goodwill Hunting, and I okay. and I would read those like as if they were a movie. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, this is so dope! Like I can't wait to you know what I'm saying watch this and do something like this. So those are like the ones I fell in love with as a kid. Like yeah. You know? I had that Pulp Fiction joint, too. I think I was around 12 at that time. But to your point, Pulp Fiction, I was a big Kevin Smith fan who did uh, Clerks and Mall Rats. So yeah. I bought, like, a, I got a, a joint book that had both those scripts in there. So I used to, you know, dissect. I just loved his dialogue in his way that all the characters, like, would appear in other movies. And they all were intertwined and such and such with somebody's cousin or this dude, you know, smash his chick who was this person's, you know, sister. And, like, it just, but it was just, like, it was super cool. Like, if you watch all of his movies, there's always some connectivity yeah, his, like his world is dope. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, chasing Amy, and like you said, Mall Rats and Clerks, and uh, even like Dogma. Yeah, all it like he he mixes and mingles all his characters. I now I really fuck with his style. Yeah, for sure. And now he always cracked me up. So it's like the, obviously like John Singleton, like Boys in the Hood and stuff like that. Like where it's like okay, like I think him. I think like Reginald Hudlin with House Party. And Red was only, what, like, 27, 28 when he made House Party. I just think about, like, at that point, being the black man in industry and being, like, you know, a, a, a major studio committing that much bread to, like, let you execute your vision and making a cold classic like that that obviously spawned, I want to say, like, four or five other variations. But just just stuff like that where it was, like, you know, I think growing up, like, we had a lot of stuff that was kind of, you know, was feel good and made us it made us proud to be black. It wasn't just kind of, you know, I think there, there was a good point in the early 90s with TV and shit where it was just like, you know, we were getting the Cosby show, basically every, you know, Fresh Prince, every every major network was catering towards black content. And then we had that, you know, huge ass break layoff. And now it seems like it's coming back a little bit, but. A little bit, but it's interesting, man, to think about how like old Spike and and uh, the Hughes brothers and, and John Singleton, and like you said, Hud and um, uh, Robert Townsend, how old those dudes were, how young they were, I guess I should say, when they were like putting out these movies that was like real radical at the time you think about it, like, you know, she's gotta have it, do the right thing. And like getting Hollywood to invest in black ideas or what they were, like, that's just a trip, man. You know, it's crazy. I took that for granted because I figured we didn't understand, especially us probably being so young, the, the, wind, the small window we had during that time because it was so much exposure to pro-black stuff. We had In Living Color. We had, you know, all these movies, Eddie Murphy on the big screen, Wesley Snipes, Denzel Washington, getting crazy. Like every time the black movies, that's why we were like our filmography of like seeing so, so many movies in like Blockbuster and get local rental stuff in the black homes. And you say, oh, I seen all these movies when you see these lists come out. It just makes you think about it. Cause you're like, damn, now, you you might get Tyler Perry. You might get a talented new up and coming producer. You might get somebody that director. I mean that 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 gets that opportunity to maybe succeed. You know what I'm saying? And it can't be bad. It has to be perfect. Versus during those times when you're seeing TV shows on primetime television. You know what I'm saying? Movies and all that things. It's just like we grew up in a great time to see representation. You know what I mean? Especially if you were going into that field. Shit, give me a fat beach and shit like that. Like, give me some terrible black, you know. But those shits would still make you crack but, up. But we needed those. <laughs> we needed those to be made to be inspired because again, somebody Cisco and Ebert might rate that low, but to myself, Jason, you, we're gonna be like, oh, tripping was great. Oh, three strikes was a classic. 
Oh, the wash was needed to be made. Belly, even though it was a long ass music video, is a classic. Like those things you needed to see in order to establish culture. And that's the thing that we don't really get the opportunity to make, or we have the public forum to shit on it, not thinking about the consequences with it. For what sure. those people had to go through to get that shit made. Like think about DJ Pooh and Ice Cube making Friday, you know what I mean? But you know, like I just I can only imagine the stuff having worked in the entertainment industry and, and, and done all the shit and you know, all the meetings you gotta do and all the people that you gotta try and, you know, it's a very finite group that would have been able to look at that project and be like, all right, this shit's gonna hit. And thankfully they, they found the right crew to do it. But you know, it's like we don't really get those kind of those unless you're doing a Marvel movie or some shit like that. But it's funny to your point, Trey, like when you make something and you go out and that's why I always encourage people and creatives now, like go make your own shit, go, go build your own leverage. If you make something and it hits, then like look at Issa and what she's been able to do with Insecure. Like, you know, if you go look at her web series, like that web series, it's, you know, if, if you watch it, you'd be like, you know, oh man, this shit is whack, whatever, whatever. Like the, the audio's bad, whatever. But when you look at it and you see the way that she was able to execute her vision, how funny it was, and even may, they may not have had the best equipment, but look, we're going to get this shit done. And it may not be perfect. The audio may be a little janky, whatever, but HBO could come in and give us all the resources and equipment and crew and everything we need to get it professional. They just need to see that thing. That's why I look at guys like Drewski or HaHa and kind of these next generation of dudes. Like Drewski, in my mind, is literally probably one of the most talented dudes I think we've ever witnessed and seen. Anybody that could go to a dinner party and they're just at dinner and go make a video that does five, six, seven million views because it's just like, oh, I should be the insecure boyfriend. And now we're going to shoot three to four scenes. And that's just a night for him. Like, we weren't getting that off as, as kids. Like, we go get a night. Like, we go to have a party whatever. It wasn't like, oh, turn this camera on and let's make a, a funny video outside the club. Like, what you know, to, to kind of capture this mood or moment. So, to see what these dudes are doing now and how – I think people are starting to appreciate and respect it, but it's still not at the level it needs to be because dudes like that – like, those are the dudes. I'm just like, wow, you know, like, I would throw a bag at this dude, let him, let him do whatever he's doing because that's what – you know, he has his finger on the pulse of the culture. Man, I can't wait to see that dude in the movie, bro. Shouts to Hovain and the team over there with Drewski. Yeah, uh, he's amazing. Like, like you said, and it's really incredible to see like this younger generation, like the way that their genius is working with the internet, and like you know what I'm saying, because they're taking the tools that they have and really like doing some crazy shit. But I just want to say one thing about Friday, R.P. Debo. You know what I'm saying, and that, to me, I say this with all sincerity in the world. That is one of the greatest films of all time. Literally every single moment in that movie is funny. Every, bro, I can't tell you how many memes. Like, I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, it was literally like two or three Friday memes, unintentional, but literally like, oh, this this scene works perfectly for this. I think I used like uh, Smokey counting the money in front of Big Warren for uh, Trump and the Electoral College. Then it was like, oh, Lamar Jackson went and dipped off and did whatever he did. And I'm like, oh, wait, I got the uh, I got the Ezel too with, with uh, Smokey taking a but how, like, watching that movie and for, and for our culture, because, you know, you see a lot of shit, and not to, to, to call it any particular filmmaker or anything nowadays, but it's just not, it's not top rate, it's not high level, the jokes are low hangers, it's corny. Like, they got, like, three or two or three shit jokes, which are literally, like, taboo no-nos in the entertainment game, but they got pops, 35, 45 minutes, classic. They got, you know, Smokey taking the shit on the side of the house. And these are things growing up in the hood that you may or may not have had to experience in life, so, so relatable and whatever, like, but that movie, to your point, like, you look at it, like, shit, the mom with the dollar, make it, and I mean, it's like every, every it's still single a serious moment. Story. Even just, like, it, that's what I'm saying. To me, it's so, because we grew up in L.A., and I know, like, all of that area so intimately, even the act of him banging on that door like that. 
It's funny as fuck. Like, because like, like normal people don't have those fucking screen doors that make that noise when, when you bang on them. So that shit is just all hilarious. You know what I'm saying? Every single Bars time. on windows. Like, niggas have bars. You really yeah, have like bars the bars. Like, we make our own prisons in the hood. But, uh, you know, it's shit that is like, you know, coping mechanisms. And it's really kind of sad when you think about it on, on a bigger scale level. But stuff that we as black people can always find. We can take the, the most, you know. The saddest moment ever and make that shit a joke and really as a way just to all connect and laugh and, and kind of cope with the situation and realities of the things we're dealing with. And lastly, your last topic was uh, collecting cars. Now, we have a theme, you know, growing up with trading cars. So obviously we all grew up the same collecting trading cars. But what was what was so special about trading cars for you? I mean, I think it's funny. So like, you know, this is like the early days of Costco too, but they used to have like the the the, the tops or the Fleer, like collector sets, whatever, whatever for, you know, just the thrill of initially with the baseball cards, which is opening up the pack, getting the, you know, the little piece of stale ass bubble gum and being able to flip through and hoping you find that gem, you know, that the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card or, you know, the Bobby Bonilla or whoever, you know, whoever, you know, I come from a different time, but like Dwight Gooden and people like that. I got shit from like 85, 86. And then I want to say once like Upper Deck came out, Upper Deck really came out and like the cards were just so beautiful looking that it became like a, it was just, I remember everybody was trading cards, going to card shows. I guess you got a funny story for you. So my dad did blue chips, did blue chips with Shaq, ended up like Shaq signed like seven rookie cards for him. Like he came back with like all different kinds. I don't know how he, how he ended up getting them. He came through the crib like, yo, I got these Shaqs for you. So I'm like, oh shit, let's get it. So my dad ended up doing like a signing at a card show in LA. I take one of the Shaq cars, try to go sell it to a bunch of different dealers. They're like, oh, this is fake. This is phony. Like, I'm just like, nigga, who, like, I'm probably like nine or 10 at the time. So I'm kind of hurt. They're trying to tell me, why are you trying to sell this forged card? It's like, my dad just did a movie with him. Like, he's over there, like, like signing shit. But like, just to have the, but that feeling of getting like, you know, you flip through and you get that, 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 that prime card. I remember back in the day, it was the cars that had like, if there was like a misprint or some shit on them, they became like super valuable. Yeah, air like, carts. Yeah. So it had I got a Clippers card with my dad from Fleer that said he averaged like 200 points a game, like on the back, like it would give you the numbers, but it was like 200 points a game. That was like super just that's like fire. Shouts to you being the first reseller too. <laughs> trying, I, I didn't sell this shit. I was trying, bro, those things were, they would take out the whole shit and how, you know what I mean? It was, it was like huge back in those days. And like, oh, is this a perfect or whatever the grading scale was? And you get the Beckett's and start going through them. But yeah, it was a, I still Did got a lot of those cards. I'm trying to find them, bro. Cause, uh, did you get those Shaq cards off? I still got them at the crib, uh, thankfully, because, uh, you know, now I feel like it's coming back, and I feel like those will be super valuable. But definitely, like, I just remember, like, damn, it's like, damn, you gave me all these Shaq cards. I wanted to touch them because, like, Shaq signed them, but obviously they were all in, like, little, like, you know, the little screw cases or whatever. I'm just like, oh, man, let me let me keep these. So, thankfully, you know, they're still at the crib. I just got to hunt them down there in my mom's spot. Yeah, that's fire, man. Uh, was those your favorite cards that you ever owned? Yeah, I think Upper Deck, probably having like the Upper Deck, like I forget what season it was. Probably oh, early 90, 90. 91 with the with the designs in the back and then they had the art and everything. Yeah. The art I mean, car, you still- if, if you grew up around that age, um, definitely uh, the spot I went to, I think it was over here by Centennial back in the day, Smart and Final. Yeah. Smart and Final had the box set and like I begged, I think the shit was like $40. And $40 is crazy for like an eight-year-old, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Trying to get sure. $40, bro. I begged my grandma. She got the 90, 91 box, bro. And I still somehow didn't have the full set. I think I was missing like maybe two cars, bro. 
And but then you it got work, to, they be numbered or whatever. You organize them out like, yeah. Yeah, I put them all in a little package and I would have box by box by box. And then I inherited my uncle's skybox and his tops and, you know, flair. You go down the, down, the, down the line with that shit. But it, it was it was so crazy because, like, I, I just I was such a, a perfectionist. And then I would double up the pockets where I had doubles or triples yeah. to the to the point where the pocket was actually popping off of the like the pages. You know what I'm saying? And I would lose it, too. Also, when I, my little cousins were coming in the room and be holding the binder the wrong way, just like yeah. a, it's just like holding a book the wrong way. And then the the, uh, the little pages would just fall and I would lose it because there's no way to fix it. You have to basically go buy them. And I think they were probably like 15 cents a sheet. Yeah. So, you know, like cards were everything for sure, man. Yeah. All right. So we got this question that we asked everyone. Um, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? I think, you know, 18-year-old self, I would just say to be more proactive and, and more passionate and try and really kind of figure out a lane. But, look, I had a – like, 18, I think I was going into UCLA at that point. I really probably would have, you know – I don't even know because I, I feel like I did work hard and do all that good stuff. But just really, I guess, appreciate that moment a lot more. That kind of time, you know, you leaving the, the nest, leaving high school, becoming an adult for the first time, really, really soak that in. And really appreciate being an adult more and, and understand that that kind of period where you got a little bit of responsibility, but still get to rock out. You can still do some dumb shit. You can turn up, you know, three to four nights a week and not really have to worry about anything, but also just kind of lock in on, on, on some type of vision or path that you want to take. It took me a little bit longer than I'd hoped to get to where I am today. So I wish I would have just had more, you know, I was, I'm an Aries, so I'm great with like the big ideas and you know, I, I can give you a million ideas, but now when it comes time to go hit them and do them, it's like, shit, bro, like, like you know, I'm, I'm the idea guy. Like, it's, I, I got to do it now. Like, but just to so, stay proactive and kind of, I think, you know, all of us in life, we have self-doubt. We don't think we're good enough, but believe that whatever craft you're doing, that that you're in that that elite level. And if you're not, study the people that are, that are going to help get you there. So as a kid, I probably wish I would have read, you know, read even more and more scripts and really kind of took it serious. Because I could have got to where I am today a lot sooner, but also have no regrets. So, 18-year-old self, enjoy life, turn up, and just really go get it. Yeah, man, that's that's sound advice, man. Thank you, Legend, for uh, joining us. Where can they find you? King Josiah 54 on Twitter and Instagram.